Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length, the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. PROST is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Hi, I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett and I designed the Penile Rehabilitation Program to help men recover from prostate cancer. It's an online program built on decades worth of knowledge and experience and practice. It's the only one of its kind in the world and it actually works. So if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer and want to get your penis working again as quickly as possible, and why wouldn't you, then visit penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you'll be off and running. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. All the best with your recovery, which I promise will never be as bad as you think. November 11, 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. In the pub, in the tab, in the cars. So, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today, we are talking to Pyro Pepper. Now, we have to find out why he's called Pyro Pepper, but Pyro Pepper had his prostate removed by robotic surgery in February this year, 2022. And we're going to get a little brief outline of his journey there, but the most important thing I want to talk to him about today is the fear when you first get a diagnosis and and how one deals with that and how it feels coming out the other side. So welcome, Pyro Pepper. Thank you very much. (laughs) So first up, tell us, why is it Pyro Pepper? Uh, Pyro Pepper comes from uh, my West Indian heritage Mm -hmm. and born with chilies in my mouth and uh, love the heat. So it's uh, all about spice in it. Um, Okay. I was kind of, you know, thinking pyro pepper, spice it up, that, you know, something that you were hot or something. (laughs) I'm not allowed to say that. (laughs) I can. So tell us, how old are you, pyro? I am 56 years old. Yeah. And what, before you got your prostate cancer diagnosis, what, what sort of health state were you in? How have you been the rest of your life? I've um, I've always um, been involved in sports of some kind, health, you know, uh, boxing, uh, gym, fitness, any kind of sport that involved running, you know, rugby, you know, anything that involved contact, rackets, pretty much anything that was um, get your heart rate up. So, and you, I know when I first met you, you'd never had any illness really before. You weren't on any medication or anything like that, were you? No, no, not really. Nothing other than the sort of vitamins and trying to, you know, headache tablet once in a while. But other than that, I'm very resistant of anything medical. So, yeah, um, not that I don't watch out for it, but I like to be aware of, you know, keeping things running. Sure. And so tell me then, what? how did you come to get a diagnosis of prostate cancer? 
Um, it was actually an accident because um, I had an injury from my boxing, which involved my wrist and a ganglion in my wrist. And I went to the doctor to see him, and he just happened to say, "Look, uh, you know, you're that age. We've um, we've already had the initial test uh, some years ago. Do you want to have another blood set?" And I said, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" You know, and um, it was as accidental as that. Um, and then next minute, um, there I was, um, calling him, calling me back in and saying, hey, um, we might have a problem here. So, And how did you feel when he first said that to you? Uh, it, was, it was a shock because um, I really didn't have any expectations of it at all. I wasn't really even aware of, of prostates or, you know, that um, it, w- it was something that I needed to be watchful of. So um, I guess at the rate you know at the age that I was or you know at the time um it would have been uh a big deal not knowing the things and then getting slapped in the face of that so it really knocked my confidence um straight away and um that was really difficult to deal with you know yeah so when were you actually diagnosed your surgery was in February and your diagnosis was uh, I was in about late September okay um, so yeah. you had quite a while like quite a lead up yeah so you left the GP office and, and how did you feel? That day I was um, – I still didn't really believe that I had anything wrong because he just said, look, your your levels are elevated and, uh, you know, nothing to worry about. Look, you know, go away for four weeks and we'll do another test and everything will be fine. Don't stress about it. It will be all fine. Of course, when a doctor tells you not to stress, it's the opposite of what happens really on the inside. So um, your sort of bulletproof exterior um, becomes tougher and you start to shield the things and uh, all the, the people around you um, who are asking questions, you know, like my wife, no, 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 nothing's fine. Uh, you know, it's, everything's fine. Uh, there's nothing to worry about. So, mm. And then inside, I'm assuming you were really worried about what was going on then? Well, I began to worry. Uh, I believed that um, it was going to be okay. Like I didn't really have any sort of thought about um, prostate. I didn't go and do any research. I didn't want to know because mm-hmm. I just felt like it was not going to happen to me. Yeah, it okay. just wasn't me. That's yeah. not that's not my story. Because no? you were bulletproof. Bulletproof, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then he referred you to a surgeon and you had, uh, had an MRI and a biopsy? Yep. I had an MRI, so I went and did all that prior to seeing the surgeon. Um, I saw um, a surgeon initially. Um, actually, the, the leading up to it was um, the week before Christmas, and uh, he called me back in on the Wednesday to have a discussion about my, my MRI and my, my results. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Wednesday before Christmas, and uh, he said, look, we really do have a problem here. It's, you know, I'm pretty sure it's cancer, and uh, but we're going to need to do the biopsy. Um, and the biopsy happened the next day. Um, that afternoon was probably one of the most terrifying moments I've had. So... Waiting between when you spoke to the surgeon and then yeah. to get the biopsy. Yeah, but also um, holding holding that fear inside. And I remember um, my wife ringing me on the way home from work and saying, hey, you know, how's your day? You know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, bloody hell, how am I going to tell her this? So, um, so did you wait until you got home to tell her or did you tell her on the phone? No, um <coughs> No, I waited until she got home because uh, I just knew it was going to be too big. 
Yeah, and also I imagine that because you were so scared that you were trying to hold that in because you didn't want her to feel fearful as well. But then, so you were trying to be strong for her and also deal with your own emotion. That's really hard. Yeah, look, it's um, it's that it's that bulletproof moment where you are also knowing that the your significant other, you know, um, who I love dearly, is going to crack and. Um, that I'm going to have to hold her up as well. So, mm. and how how did she take the news? Difficult, really, really difficult. It was a um, it was a, it was a quite a long time, um, s- sort of sitting in suspense, really waiting for uh, for a, a new kind of bright horizon because everything got dark really quickly. Mm. That's a really nice meta like picture yeah yeah but um i had to kind of regroup and you know i had to be strong because you know i had to do you know we had to tell the boys and um because you've got quite you've got teenage boys i've got old uh no uh, older are they 20s yeah mid-20s so um yeah look telling the telling the boys um was difficult but um i knew that i had to do that straight away to try and allow them to understand the journey that I was about to begin um, and also to um, make life a bit easier, you know, boys argue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. and also the boys could then maybe support their mom a little bit yeah, more that's and right. hopefully you. And so you then had the biopsy the next day and then you went back and got the res- – this is all just leading up to Christmas. Yeah, Christ- Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve was um, come back and get the results and mm. even then – sort of somewhere in in the deep parts of my heart I felt that it was going to be okay I don't I don't know why I just thought yeah you know this will be fine it won't be as bad as what I think it is and um you know and of course when we sat down that was um yep you're going to have to have this out this is uh, surgery it's going to be you know it's a big step so did you have to you would have had to have waited over Christmas to get the result of that biopsy no 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 he um he fast tracked it oh, from good the on Thursday him. yeah it was he's a, a it wonderful was, yeah, guy that was great yeah. so he um he knew that he was going to be away until um you know sort of late January and that I'd have to carry this weight with me um and so he just said, look, I'll make it happen. I'll, I'll get the results for you. And um, so that Friday, which was Christmas Eve, it was my Christmas present. <laughs> oh, that's awful. And so then you've got the result. And then, if I remember this story correctly, you had this, you really, he really, really assured you, didn't he, about that it was operable and everything. And you're feeling quite mm. confident. And then there was another kind of kick in the guts. Yeah, look, it was a, um, it was a, you know, I, th- I think... Um, I'm probably very lucky in that sense where, you know, the initial um, conversations were about don't panic, this is a slow thing, you've got you've got time on your side, you know. Meanwhile, a different story is happening in my head, which is like get it out, get it out, get it out. Yeah. And, and uh, so, look, because of the holidays and because of COVID and all those things that, that surrounded them, my, my surgery was... Um, scheduled for uh, middle of March, and uh, which is already a long time to wait. And as you know, 
with COVID, the borders opened at the beginning of March, which put my surgery potentially back until June, although I wasn't given a date. I was mm. given a, this is not a red hot priority. And so that would have been just, I mean, just listening to you, I can feel, I would be anxious about yeah. that because you just want it gone. Yeah. And then you've got this like unknown. Yeah. Well, making the decision first. Um, and once you make a decision, it's like, it's like anything you know, if you are going to buy a car, you want it done today. I want the car today, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'd made my mind up that I was going to have this surgery. It was going to be a life-changing experience and um, I wanted it now. And, of course, things didn't go quite to plan, so. Mm. So that surgeon, now there was a reason why you couldn't have him in the end, which was a shame because you developed this real rapport and he'd obviously yeah. been really supportive of you. Yeah. So because of the shift in the deadline of COVID, um, I then went searching for another surgeon who could do the surgery prior to the borders opening. Yeah. And through a, a, a friend of mine, a, a client, um, uh, they helped me get in and to see my um, the surgeon who did perform the operation, who was just amazing. And that whole story in itself is just um, a really amazing um course of events. So share that with me because that's how I came to speak to you originally, yeah. wasn't it? Because yeah. he was also this person who who really, really kind of I feel like helped you get out of a dark place here and see that there was a brighter future yeah. is um, a, a friend of yours and a yeah. patient of mine. So yeah. so tell me how, how, that, how that established because you actually didn't know him that well at the time, did you? And he really reached out to you. Yeah, look, I, I didn't know him at all. So um, I knew his wife. Um, like I said, she is a client. And um, she just she just grabbed the bull by the horns and she just said, "Look, I'm going to get him to ring you because you know um, you just need to talk to him. He's he's going to he's going to help you. He's amazing." And I said, "Yeah, okay. Look, and and I'm still dealing with all of the motions and all the things that I um, I describe as weight because I, I, f I felt this real heaviness every day mm. with every decision I made or everything that I did was was carrying this really big heavy weight on my shoulders." And he picked up the phone and rang me like a, an hour later, and he said, "No, that's rubbish. We're going to catch up. You know, let's let's make look. Let's catch up straight away." So um, that was like the Friday, and uh, and on Sunday we got together, and he said, "Look, let's just go and get a coffee, and we'll just have a talk." And it was really, it was just a brilliant um, thing that he did for me because he allowed me to um, ask questions that were difficult to ask with people that you know. And it's not the same as reading it. You can't get the same kind of experience when someone's uh, telling you what they went through, you know. Mm. And I also think that that peer support is so important because – and that's precisely why we have this podcast because mm. it's about hearing other people who have been in the same situation because health professionals like me and surgeons and physiotherapists, we can tell you the theory but we can't yeah. I can't explain to you how you feel but yeah. someone who's been through it can yeah it, it really humanized the whole process which um in some way because of the time lapse between when I found out and when I was going to be operated on it became this kind of um, vague um, idea um, which I was living and reliving every day and when I when I caught up with with my friend he basically told me to what to expect he told me all the good stuff and all the bad stuff and he just said look you know this is really everything you need to know which was fantastic even down to um you know that he got up out of his chair and walked to the walked into the surgery and he said oh, I, I felt really proud that I could do that because 
I walked into the surgery and I made a choice about doing this for myself and I thought that was really cool, you know. That is really cool because that's a big thing I think in um, as a patient often you lose your own power and your own self-efficacy and so to be able to feel like you're in control of your own journey I think is a real mind shift isn't it it was and it was a it was kind of a moment that I I um I associated with facing the fear of that you know it was like a real break point where I said okay here I am you know (sighs) I'm gonna do this you know so I did the same I, I walked into my surgery so it was a it was a really good moment and a really great feeling to actually do that and be in charge of my own space when I was actually, you know, laying on the table and doing all the things that, are, you know, I had anticipated because I'd had the conversation with him, you know. And that guy, I mean, he was an amazing advocate for you. He also reached out to me and asked me if I could give you a call and have a chat. And yeah. we did, didn't we? Before yeah. the surgery, we had a chat because I couldn't get an appointment for you. So we had a um, chat on the phone. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I um, you know, the, the, the thing that kept coming back is um with this guy who is um who's just brilliant he kept touching base with me all the way through that those um those weeks leading up to it and he'd ring me say you okay you know is everything going okay how's how's your how's your friday going you know and it was fantastic to have that even just a text you know just touching base and saying you're right mate you know and then pick up the phone and say how's things going today you know how's your wife going you know so it was awesome to have that because there's a real difference between having a friend who asks you that than to somebody that you don't know that well asking you those questions because you can really say, I'm absolutely shitting myself because, you know, of this and this and this. Um, and if for him to be able to say, it's okay, you know, don't worry. I felt like that too. So it was it was a really different kind of connection and mm. alleviated a lot of my fear pr- leading up to this, you know, this big day you know and also he was like about six months down the track at that point wasn't he so he had the hindsight of experience that he was doing so much better then that's right he'd he'd been through it he'd been through the wave he'd experienced the, the highs and lows he'd also had his emotional swings as well and um felt really strongly that he could share that with with me so it was it was yeah it was brilliant and I th- it sounds like that's going to be an ongoing friendship with you both now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we're um, we're waiting to catch up again to go and have lunch. So, great. <laughs> celebrate. <laughs> yeah, and so, and that's he. That's how you got onto the surgeon who actually did the surgery, wasn't it? Through that guy. That's right. Yeah. So he he did for me. Um, um, you know, his wife. They they contacted the the surgeon. I ended up doing the operation with and. Um, insisted that they dealt with me (laughs) they just said this guy you have to see him he's a great guy you know and um he was just a real advocate and pushed his way into that space for me which was amazing to have someone in my corner that i barely knew so and also i think that when you're in that position where you've just got a diagnosis and you're waiting and you're looking for something i think you kind of it's hard to get outside of yourself and be that really proactive, isn't it? So yeah, to have someone absolutely. else do that for you is, is yeah, an amazing it thing. It is amazing. And and you don't know what you don't know either as well, you know. So when you've got somebody who's been through the experience with someone who was amazing, who did a, you know, an amazing job, that's, that's a great space of knowledge, you know, to be able mm. to say, hey, look, this guy did a great job, you know. So um, you should talk to him and to then reach out to the to the surgeon and say please see this guy because he's a good guy and you know that was that was great to have that um you know that guy in my corner so yeah it's amazing and then later on we are gonna i'm going to ask you because i know you've got the opportunity to pay that forward to another person now and like i really hope that anyone listening 
if they have the opportunity to do the same, that they can understand how much help that... Because often we think if we're not a health professional, what do we have to offer? But you've got that lived experience, which we don't have. So you've actually got a lot more to offer. Yeah. So then you went and met your new surgeon. Yep. And, and, and how did that go? Because, I mean, you developed a rapport with the first person and so that's difficult meeting someone new. Yeah, look... Um, uh, meeting the surgeon, which was, again, because of the times, I, I actually didn't meet him until the day that I actually went for the surgery because of COVID. So he, um, but he rang me and um, just something in his voice was really calm, which was really, uh, you know, it was great to surrender that um, to his strength because you could feel it in his voice. Like yeah. he just said, look, you know, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. I've done this a lot. I know exactly what to expect, um, you know you're not going to be any different to anyone that I've already done this with. So, you know, be calm and stay positive, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was encouraging. And did he at that point ask you, you know, what was important, like continence, sexual function, all of those things? Um, did, did you ever have that conversation with him or...? I mean, I know he's done an amazing job of nerve sparing. So clearly you're young and he would he always does he's a great surgeon, he always does that. Yeah. But was there any conversation around whether or not there was a priority for you? Uh n- no. Uh, only that um as as a uh, you know, I'm fifty six years old, so as a fifty six year old man, um surgery is really the only choice because I've got time to recover and be you know the man I was before just slightly different yeah um as opposed to um you know choosing to have um hormone treatment you know instead Mm. uh so I I definitely went down that path and obviously with that comes the risk and you're going to I mean you're probably uh, I'm sure you're an amazing guy before but you're going to be a better man for this really because imagine the empathy that you now have for people when they're going through something like this that before you didn't have that experience yeah well definitely I have a clear understanding of that and like I said the the focus for me which was um, something I really um, struggled with all through my journey was the, the the weight of the fear and it's just the best way I can describe it is is that you know, and, and I'm a creative person, so I I have pictures, you know, and I, I imagine this this really big bag of cement on my shoulders everywhere I went, every mm. every decision I made, every, you know, every little thing that made me happy carried a condition of this weight on my shoulders. So, you know, I I I just entered Christmas, which is a, a, a loving family, close, you know, enjoyment time, and I could only just manage it. Yeah. You know, I didn't have the the opportunity to just let go and really feel in true joy at that point in time with my family and my kids and you know. Yeah, and you felt like you were sort of pushing yourself, faking it through it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I think I did a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did. And then when your wife found out that you actually did have prostate cancer and you had to have this surgery, like how did how did she react? Because I think often she was probably Pardon me, she's probably shitting herself on the inside yeah. but wanted to be strong for you too, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. That, and that's a conversation we've had since a uh, number of times. Her, her um, trying so hard to be strong but then not being able to manage it either. You know, just the, the uh, her, you know, you can't leave me. You have to be here with me, you know. Um, and the fear of her, her, her fear of what's, you know, what's ahead and what could be ahead, you know. Mm. And whether this was you know, 
whether we were one of the the bad statistics, you know, yeah. and, and you know that's that's really scary for that other person too. That you know we've been together for thirty four years, you know, we're long time married and long time lovers and friends, you know, and uh, and it's you know her her carrying that weight as well, you know, and and I had to try and be uh, aware of that too, to not share too much of my fear with her because she was already carrying her own fear for me, you know. Yeah, which. I think is also such a great thing that that guy reached out to you because yeah. he's someone that you can share your fear with. But if something really bad did happen to you, you know, like for some reason if this wasn't curable, it sure he cares about you from an empathetic point of view, but he hasn't physically invested or emotionally invested in your life. Yeah. Whereas with your partner, you, you, you don't want to burden them with that. So that's, that's right. such yeah. an amazing thing to be able to do that with someone else who is sort of far enough away yes yeah F far but still close in yeah. that and in, in, in that you have you've had a similar journey or you're about to have a similar journey and uh that they know exactly what you're feeling they know that you know it, it doesn't matter how much you read or you know you've got health professionals like yourself who can give us as much information as you do it still never quite gets there no. until someone's looking you in the eye and going, I've been there, I know what this feels like mm -hmm. and it's going to be okay. You know? Yeah, I agree because, you know, I was a midwife before I had my first child. I was a much better midwife. I did a good job, I hope, <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> um, but I was a much better midwife after I had a child because yeah. I understood all of the stuff that went with yeah. it. I had like a lived experience and everyone's experience wasn't the same, but at least I could understand like yeah. being scared to go through labour for the first time, yeah. what being scared to take a baby home for the first time, yeah. you know, all those things, and the f and and also that you know you, you that first time that you're going to give birth that 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 you know this baby is going to come out and you know I'm a guy but I kind of equated this um, sort of experience in a way to to having a baby because you know that baby's going to come out and in my case I knew that surgery was was ahead of me so uh, you can. You know, you know that you've got to face it and mm -hmm. you've got to come up with the with whatever the tool is that you need to get you to that place. But that thing's coming out. And, and also so you've got to deal with the consequences of it being out. In the case of a baby, right. it's a screaming, <laughs> pooing mess. And in the case of this, it's your recovery. Yes, so it is actually right. quite similar. I remember you told me that last time we talked and I thought yeah. that was a really good analogy. Yeah. 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 It's... Um, and it's something that you're going to continue to live with, like you said, for forever. That that um, that turning point's a fork in the road, and once you have your child, it's there forever. You know, that's um, no different to really having the surgery. It's the same sort of concept, you know. Yeah. So you walked into the surgery. That must have been tough, hey? You felt like you're going into a boxing match. Yeah. Look, it was. Um, it felt like the longest. It felt like the longest period, uh, you know, ever because from the moment I sort of checked in, uh, you know, that's seven o'clock in the morning, whatever that was in the morning. And uh, I think I had my surgery about um, midday or one o'clock or something like that. Um, everything feels like it's weeks. You know, everything's really slow. You, you, you become acutely aware of everything around you, all the conversations of the people around you because you're doing everything you can to distract yourself from what's about to happen. Mm. Um, but once they started moving you through from, you know, the the pre-op bit to the um, the bit before you actually go into the surgery, um, I felt like something was happening. So it was like, okay, great, 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 great. And then I sat there for another hour, you know, mm. and I was like, oh, God, you know. And then and then the, um, the anaesthetist came over and, and spoke to me, which was... That was very cool too because he was also very relaxed and had a very slow, calm 
voice. It was a younger, young guy. Um, and, you know, that, that actually was also very calming, a calming mm. moment because that's when it's like, oh, my God, this is about to begin. This is about to start. And uh, But he, he was there and he just said, look, you know, I've got you. I've done this. This is good. You know, have you ever had any issues? Blah, blah, blah. No. You know, ticked all those boxes. And um, and then he said, relax. It's okay. We're going to be, we're going to be fine. It won't be long. And because you'd never had a general anesthetic before, had you? I had, I had, um, so I had experienced, um, going under, um, Mm -hmm. before, um, but it, it, it doesn't feel the same somehow, you know, I knew kind of what to expect, but it was, um, it was, this was different. This is, this was big. What sort of surgery had you had before? I've had a, uh, a knee, I've had a knee scope before. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I've gone under that for that and I had a thing on my wrist, a ganglion on my wrist, but um, all minor stuff. Nothing yeah, very much. And nowhere yeah. near as long to be anaesthetised no. for. Because yeah. I've had general anaesthetics and I think it's the scariest thing ever. Yeah. You know, they put that thing in your hand and count to ten and yeah. then you're gone and yeah. it's really frightening. That is, yeah. And it was like, I remember um, because I'd sort of been under that before, I, I, I'm determined this time, I'm bloody determined, I'm going to get to ten. <laughs> and I think I got to eight. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, then you're gone. So, yeah. So, how did you feel when you woke up after the surgery? Did you feel like some of that concrete had gone or was it still there because you were waiting for your results? Uh, look, it, um, it was fuzzy, obviously, mm. um, that first period after. But uh, it, was, it, it was a really good feeling because I knew I was already on the other side of that. So, I knew that that, w- that day then, from that moment on, that it was, I was into the next part of this journey. I knew I had stepped over that void and I was now in the new, the new beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it was um, – the, the next bit was actually more horrifying, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> tell, us, tell us about that. Uh, I had a um, – I have to say, and I, I'd, 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 I've – talked about this with my new friend that I'm going to tell you about in a minute, but um, the catheter was the most, the biggest, most revolting experience, that 10 days of having that thing hanging out <laughs> your dick. You know, it was just... <laughs> oh. What was the worst bit? Where it was pulling on the end of it or yeah. strapped to your leg or the whole thing? Well, the whole thing. I, 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 um, I went away f- uh, very shortly after that for a weekend um, with friends and so I had my, my little bag on my, my thigh, which was... Actually, pretty good because I could just drink beer and not get up, which is fantastic. <laughs> so, <laughs> just had to go and empty the baggie. Uh, but um, the pulling on the pulling on the end of your your willies just um, the most um, uncomfortable experience, you know. And it and it wears and it wears and it wears and uh, yeah, it's horrible, horrible. So don't let anyone tell you it's it's not that bad. It's bullshit. <laughs> and were you nervous about getting it out? Uh, yes, I, I was expecting uh, this to be really painful, but it was a bit like, if I can describe it, a bit like pulling a lollipop out of your mouth. It's kind of like uh, that. It was okay. like a pop and it felt instant relief. It was just like, I think I heard angels going, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, that thing is out of my that dick. That thing's out. It's bloody amazing. So, yeah. That's good. And then you were told to go see if you could go and have a wee what happened after yeah, that yeah so then you have to you have to pass your in before you can be allowed to to leave and um you know again there's another fear, another fear point which is the whole incontinence part, uh, part. Mm-hmm. you know that's you know that was really worrying from a 
a dignity perspective. Of I course. felt I felt you know um, how would I manage this? Um, and it it it's different for everybody. That's what I that's what I've learned since. And um, really, you just have to deal with whatever it is that comes in front of you, and you know, with regard to that. So. And what was your journey? Why, we, did you leak for long? Or Look, I, I, I didn't leak at all, actually. No, no. no. Um, and you feel a bit guilty about that, I don't did, you? I did, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, um, what I did do, and it's, it's something that I'm, I'm paying forward, is, is, you know, I can't stress enough how important it is to, be, to try and be as fit as you can ready for surgery. That's, mm. um, that's the plus that I didn't realise I had in, in waiting that length of time before my surgery. Yeah. It gave me time to do all my pelvic floor stuff and get that, that really strong. So when I came out the other side, I just didn't leak at all. It was mm. really it was awesome. Yeah. And so you don't need to feel guilty about that. You need to celebrate yourself because you took control and you did all of those mm. exercises. Yeah. You know, no one else can do that for you. It doesn't matter how good your surgeon is. If you hadn't done that, you wouldn't be yeah. as dry as you are. I yeah. mean, and, and that's... So that must have been such a relief that you it weren't was, leaking. Yeah, it was huge. It was a really huge thing because I kept shoving this pad in my jocks and thinking, okay, today's <laughs> going to be the day. And then I got to a point where I was getting kind of cocky and I thought, I'm going to squat <laughs> and see what happens. And then that didn't happen. That, that was all good. No leaking. No leaking. And then I did the cough and all of that. And that was no leaking. So it was just it was just really good. Like I, I didn't leak. Mm. <laughs> it was amazing. And I, honestly, I see this often. You know, men who do all the exercises, who aren't overweight and are yeah. fit, yeah. they are often dry. And yeah. I think it's a real fear that we're going to have this constant leaking. And I think if you follow... In most cases, if you do the homework, yeah. it's going to be all right. Yeah. And then were you at any stage worried that you would have pain, like post-op pain? Uh, yeah, look, it, it was it, – it had its moments and, um, you know, the, the scars, um, you know, my bullet holes, they, um, they're still there. You, mm-hmm. know, then, you know, I'm seven months down the track and one of them's still a bit sore, but um, – Nothing you can't handle, you know, yeah. like nothing you can't handle. Yeah. So you didn't have as much pain as you thought. That's something most people tell me is that they imagine they have a lot of pain because it's very large surgery, yeah. but they actually had pain that was pretty much controllable with Panadol. That's right, yeah. Look, I, I don't I, – I've, I've always kind of managed my pain, like if mm-hmm. with things like boxing and, you know, other injuries that I've had. I, I don't really do a lot of pain medication, but it, I didn't find it um, necessary to, to take any pain medication. I did find it really um a surprise how exhausted i was i didn't Mm. know that i didn't really didn't know because i thought i was so fit yeah and um i would i would walk up the road you know 100 meters and i'd be knackered i'd be like Mm. bloody hell you know i'm fitter than this but i just you know and and i had to allow myself to to not feel that way to just rest when i needed to rest so and how long did you feel that feeling of exhaustion it was at least uh, three weeks, yeah, four okay. weeks. You know, it was quite a long time in my own mind that I would be, that I wasn't able to get up and do the things I wanted to do, you know, and mm-hmm. before feeling like just really stuffed, you know. But you listened to your body and rested? I did, yes, I did. I I, um, I kind of went back to work within about a week or so, but I was Because you own your own business and yeah. you got no choice, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was working from home a bit too. And uh, But what I did do is I, I'd work for a little bit and then I'd just go and sit on the couch or have a lay or have a bit of a rest in the middle of the day for, you know, half an hour. Yeah. Or just watch TV, lay, lay on the bed, watch telly for a little while. And that, 
that was okay to do that? That was actually the really the right way to, to go about it? Definitely. I totally agree. Because I see men who, who tell me that they basically don't feel themselves from an energy point of view until about 12 weeks post-op. And, you know, your body is putting all this energy into healing. Yeah. So it's yeah. you haven't got that extra energy that you have before. And, yeah. I mean, the people who I see that recover the best are the ones that listen to that and go, you know what, I've just had major surgery. I am going to have a rest every day and don't push yeah. through it. Yeah, yeah. That's the point in time where you have to stop being the man and just be the patient, you know. And it's not... It's not going to be a bad thing to just stop and have a rest for half an hour or mm. just sit. Don't even have to go to sleep if that's not your thing, you know. But if you just sit and stop doing whatever it is you're doing, you know, you shouldn't be just doing the gardening or just, you know, um, taking the rubbish out. You just shouldn't be doing any of that, you know. And, no. And that's no. that's actually really where, you know, my wife was fantastic. You know, she just kept saying, nope, nope, don't <laughs> do that. Good on her. So, um I wasn't allowed to do the washing, uh, washing up. So it was Excellent. just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so does this mean? So your wife as well. Like after the surgery, did she feel like easier because it was gone? Like was there some sort of relief for you both? Like did you talk about that? Uh, yeah. Look, that again. That that the, the fear being the biggest um, inhibitor of of feeling well. Um, that period after lasted. Because um, the fear is is doesn't just go away, no. because you don't know if you're clear yet. And mm. um, so, when we got the pathology results back, which said you know I was in pretty good shape, like I was clear, and that's not a word that they really use, but mm. um, they tell you they've got it all. We've got <laughs> and it all. The margins yeah. are clear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's you know it was a, it was a great feeling, and up until that, which was some weeks after, you know, it was uh, three months I think after where we got this the the blood test and. Um, that was the time and, and my wife said, you know, I actually want to hear the surgeon say those words. And up until then, you know, she just couldn't quite let it go. It wasn't, we don't quite know yet. Um, even though I knew in my heart I was I was good now. I've, I'd, had, I'd lifted that, you know, that bag of cement off my shoulders, you know. Yeah. And then you get your post-op PSA. How, yep. how did that go? Well, that's that's the that's the break point. That mm. was the point where we kind of breathed a sigh of relief and said, "Okay, this is we're, we're done now. We're um, we're now into let's concentrate on the recovery phase and and you know the next part of our journey together, and and uh, allow that to become history. You know, the the mm. surgery and the the fear and all of those things have now sort of gone to the side, and we're now just looking forward and uh, and when you're coming up to like your three-month PSA and your six-month PSA. Do you feel that fear come back again at, at, at the same level or less or do you feel... It's probably, it's probably more trepidation. It's not, it's not the same kind of fear. It's, it's somehow you've got this little boost of confidence that's in the back of your, you know, your little voice in your head's going, yeah, we got this already. You know, it's already done. It's taken care of. It's out. Um, yeah. You you still have the other voice on the other shoulder still going, but what if, but yeah. what if, you know? So you kind of suppress that a little bit um, mm -hmm. to try and um, be comfortable with every day. Yeah. But there is always that worry, you know, when you're coming up to those little um, checkpoints, you know. Um, I, I guess it's a bit like a breathalyzer, you know. You 
haven't had a drink tonight and you're going up to the breathalyzer and even then you know you're going to blow zero, you still have that like, yes. what if I had a cough lolly or something, you know? Yeah, like yeah. I, every time I go through a breath, that's a really good example. I think the same thing. I think I haven't drunk anything for two days. What if it says something? <laughs> what if I've wiped my hands with alcohol rub too many times or something? Yeah. Yeah. So, and and do you feel like your wife is the same? Do you feel like she's feeling more relaxed as time goes on? Yeah, definitely. We um we're planning a big holiday now, so we're we're now we're now moving into um the next phase of of this recovery. So, and again, recovery is is um you know it belongs to two of you. It's not mm. just one person recovering, and um you know there is that waiting period of when you have to get well till you know. Pyro Pepper decides to come back to life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but in the meantime, you know, you, you have to tackle these things as a team. And, um, you know, my wife was is, has been amazing. You know, she's been amazingly supportive and, and um, you know, working together to, to, to be well, you know. Mm. And, and I'm not really going to focus on the sexual function side today because it was really more about your fear. And I want to talk to you about how you've paid this forward next. But... From a, a sexual function point of view, I know that you've, you're doing penile rehabilitation with me and your wife's been incredibly supportive with all of that. Yeah. Um, so just briefly, just just give us a little bit of a roundup of how you're feeling with that whole penile rehab program and what's going on there. Uh, look, that, that's got its waves, I guess, you know, because mm-hmm. you think you're doing really well and, um, and, and I, I really am. You are and doing uh, great, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, and you know, um, we we also have a bit of a joke about it. So you know, I I pump it up. So yeah. um, we're going to pump it up um, once a day and get the blood uh, flowing back to it. So um, you know, uh, it gets well. And um, you know, that's just part of the part of the thing that you know I, I'm allowed the time to do that. You know, I do that when I'm you know uh, in the shower because it's just easier for me. I find mm-hmm. that a, a really good place to do it because you know I can wash the the device out and. Um, onward and up on you know yeah great and also and again i don't expect you to go into detail but this whole experience having prostate cancer surgery and then not being able to get a an erection completely yet i know you've got partial ones already which is amazing mm-hmm. but has that changed the script in a way of your love making your intimate with your wife in that because i often say to people i think it's an opportunity that to do things different for the first time and i think if you can do things different, then that makes it maybe a bonus rather than a negative in your in your intimate life. Do you feel like mm-hmm. it has given you the opportunity to talk more openly and, and change the script a little bit? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good way of describing it, yeah. It, changing the script is something that we've done, you know, mm-hmm. to try and um, get around this. Um, I think you have to have a, a, a partner who's patient as well and who wants to participate in in helping you get to where you used to be as a, as a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife's been amazing in that regard. She's, she, she just said, you know, I'll, I'll be there and, you know, we will do whatever it takes to get you, ba- you know, to get us back to where we were in, mm. s- in some new shape or form. So I know that one of the biggest indicators actually of a man's long-term well-being, emotional well-being, is the support of their partner in these areas. Yep. And so, you know, hats off to your wife yeah, for she being is amazing. Yeah. that great. Yeah, she is. She's amazing. So let's now talk about your recent opportunity you've had to pay this forward to be that person that, that 
that our other guy was for you. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking I'm going to ask that other guy. Maybe I need to interview him on the podcast about his yeah. journey because, you know, I think he's he's really done an amazing thing for you and now you're doing that for someone else which has come from him because yeah. often you don't want to reach out to strangers and good on him for doing that. So yeah. tell us your story. So um, it, it happened, the, the, the same kind of experience has just happened um, in the last two weeks um, where uh, another client rang me because I'd shared my experience with her and, you know, told her that about my journey and, um, you know, how it impacted on my work. So, you know, I was asking pretty much for to, to forgive me for the for the amount of time it's taken me to get back to you so that's kind of how it began and um and then she rang me a, a couple of weeks ago just out of the blue and she said look um my husband's just been diagnosed with prostate cancer which i was just you know crushed for her because they are um a, an awesome couple as well and again i don't know her husband at all so mm-hmm. i said right i'm going to um get me his number i'm going to ring him and talk to him and she goes, well, you know, I just wanted to know, no, 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 get me his details. I'm going to ring him <laughs> because I'm going to give him what someone gave me. I want, I want to sit down with him, and and take away some of the fear that he is now experiencing because he would be terrified. Mm. So um, I I rang him and arranged to have a coffee with him the next day. So I didn't want to leave it too long. I just said, let's meet like right now tomorrow. And uh, we went and had a coffee and we sat and talked for a, a, an hour or so, just over an hour. And, um, you know, I, I took him through the whole experience that I had had from beginning to end and, and all the fear that I'd experienced in the beginning and that it was normal. And he um, he got very close to me in, a, in terms of his story because he was the same. You know, he had children similar age, a little bit younger than my boys, but... You know, they as a couple, they're a long time uh, together, and he didn't want he to 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 give his partner, his wife, too much because mm. he knew she was already burdened and terrified. So, yeah, of course. it was really a a good experience for me to be able to say, you know, this is me passing it on to somebody else and giving them that person the opportunity to talk to me. So. Yeah, and I'm sure he has got a lot out of that. So is he off to have surgery soon? He's in the process of organising a surgeon now who yeah. I've also reached out to the sur- my surgeon and said, please see this guy because, you know, he's a good guy and you need to make sure that you fit him in and get him in there as quick as you can. So I followed up all the paperwork um, with them. I got everything that he needed because often what happens when you first uh, see, you know, and get the result that you're going to have to have this surgery all you hear is because that's all that he, that's all you hear from 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 the moment they say you have cancer. There's yeah. nothing else you hear. Yeah, and so that's where having your partner there is actually quite useful because they hear and yeah. they're much more alert, although they crumble. Yeah. So um, I've I've reached out to the surgeon, try to you know collate the bits that he needs for him and help him through that process in the initial phases and. Um, I've already touched base with him a couple of times in the last week and um, we're going to have a coffee tomorrow. So Great. And do you yeah. feel like that has also – I know that you told me that the first time you met with him it was quite emotional for you, wasn't it? Because yeah. it brought back that fear yeah. for yeah. you. In g- so that's a big thing for you to give. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it took me back right to that moment and I could see in his eyes he's he, – you know, and, you know, he's a, he's a fit guy. Um, he's 56, so he's yeah. the same age same as me. Age, yeah. And um, – He's he was sitting there and just was glazed because he was just I just knew he was just like 
what have I got ahead of me? You know, this this unknown. And you can read all the stuff you want to read and talk to, you know, um, all the professionals that you, you can. But at the end of the day, you still don't really know what it's like. Mm. And when you sit down with somebody that um, can give you that experience firsthand and comfort you in that you are experiencing normal things, you will be frightened, but it's going to be okay. Um, you know, and just to give take them through it step by step, you know. You know. And also for to be able to sit opposite you, you know, you're a fit, you know, active, back exercising, back running your business, you know, to look yeah. at you and go, okay, he's been where I am, but look where he is seven months down the track. That yeah. has to be, that's like physical proof that it yeah. can be okay. Yeah. And yeah, back to doing everything normal and, you know, I, I'm also sharing in, in my journey about where I have post-operative um, come to and what to expect on that. Um, and, you know, some of the things that, that people don't tell you along the way are the little tricks, the mm-hmm. little tricks unless you're doing it yourself. Things like when you do have the catheter in, use the bag, not the strap, because the, the strap's really uncomfortable on your thigh. Okay. The bag's really, really comfortable. It's like a sock okay. on, on your thigh, on your yeah. leg. Just little tricks like that. Um mm-hmm that you probably would never read anywhere. You would have to experience it yourself. Do you know what would be great? If you could write me a list of like your top ten tricks or something. Yeah. Like just things like that or five, however many, yep. and we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, great idea. That yep. would be really good because you're yep. right. Unless yep. you've done it, you don't know. You don't know. And all the literature you read won't tell you that. No. So, um, you know, things like the shower. You, we'll use the straps in the shower but not the bag because obviously the bag, the, the, the bag's a sock and yes, the sock just gets wet. So, yeah. Um, but then when you get out, put the... So I've never thought of that before. It's a great yeah, idea. Yeah. Really, really good. And also questions like, you know, you've got this urine bag on your th- on your thigh. Um, I, I I didn't know if I was supposed to change it or what was I supposed to do with this bag? I know I've got to empty it, but am I supposed to wash it out once, a, you know, once yeah. a couple of days? Nope. Do not touch the bag. The bag stays on the whole time for the whole 10 days, whatever yeah. it is that you, you know, those sort of things you don't really here when no. they tell you you know and also thinking about things like you know oh, i better make sure if i don't want to live in tracksuit pants for two weeks that i get myself some baggier jeans or something yeah, you know like that's right yeah, yeah things like that yeah, yeah that's great and also you know um wearing wearing jocks rather than wearing little shorty bo- shorter boxer short type things yeah because it holds the it holds the the catheter in place a bit better and stops like it from rubbing yeah, yeah. yeah. did yeah. anyone tell you about lignocaine gel on the eye of your penis so it wasn't rubbing in and out uh, no. Yeah, that's <laughs> a big one. I always tell people when I see them before the surgery and I'll put that, I'll add that to your top yeah, tips. Yeah, great. Yeah. Okay, wish I'd known. <laughs> yeah, because you get that really painful yeah. eye of the penis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I just think it's amazing that you've shared your story and you're doing great. And um, Pyro Pepper, I'm hoping he's going to get his spice back and I think <laughs> he's well on the way to that. And um, maybe down the track in another year or so it might be nice to touch base with you again and just see how you're feeling and maybe have a bit more detail about whether or not that's all gone back to normal because I'm sure it will. Yeah. Um, and I just really appreciate you being so vulnerable and so honest and like it's great and I know, you know, I only asked you last week if you'd do this because we were talking about this whole fear and I was like, I, we've never talked about that yeah. and I think that's just such an important thing to share. I think it's um, it's one of the biggest unspoken parts of this whole journey um, and because everyone experiences it but very few people can actually articulate it and um, 
understand it until you're actually going through it. So mm. um, I, I found it really helpful to have that to share with somebody else along the mm. way. So is there anything we haven't talked about today that you would really like people to know that I haven't asked? Uh, not really, only that I'd, I'd, I'd recommend so strongly that, um, you know, if you, if and when you have been through this experience, if there's a way that you can reach out to somebody and share your journey with them, it's just, it's just fantastic to be able to do and to not fear it. It's, it's not something to be frightened of. I have, um, I have made it my thing to talk to all of my male friends and colleagues and clients and I talk to everybody about my experience because I want one person along the way to stop them from not knowing that they have cancer. Yeah. So if, they've, if I can get them to go and do the test, that's something that you should be doing. So, you know, um, that's something that I c- I'm going to continue doing is continue asking men if they've had, you know, their checkups. Um, mm-hmm. Every conversation I have with a, another person that I haven't spoken to for a while is what I say. And any man listening to this whose GP has not measured your PSA and you're over 50 demand it to be done and the thank god the royal college of gps are finally going to change those guidelines so that will be happening in the future but please be proactive about your own care yep thank you pyro <laughs> thanks for having me that was great thank you so much <laughs> Cheers. see you i'm gonna tell you about a boy who lives inside me Hi, I'm Melissa and I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Just a reminder, if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer, I've built a penile rehabilitation program just for you. It's an online program packed with information, exercises and advice along with proven strategies that will get your penis back in working order as quickly as possible in about 15 minutes a day. If you like the sound of that, then please head over to penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you can start straight away. Or there's a link from the RS Health website. We would also love you to review and subscribe and share this podcast so we can help more men. Links to Instagram and Facebook are in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there. So spread the word that help is available. All the best for now. Bye. I've got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride See him growing so fast into a man His victories become mine